What's going on, everybody? I'm Thomas Robertson, your co-host for Outside the Glass. This is episode 13, lucky number 13. We got Katie Harper with us, our co-host again. How you doing, Katie? I'm good. Fantastic. She was out last week with an illness, day to day, but she's back. She's she's a trooper. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna get right into the show. We got good slate of topics for you today. We're gonna. Preview the awards in the NHL and who is most deserving of at least six awards uh, across the league getting ready for that end of season award ceremony. We're going to talk about Nathan McKinnon's recent injury and the impact that that's going to have on the Colorado Avalanche. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the the struggles of the Islanders and uh, the success that the Toronto Maple Leafs have found. They're on a four-game win streak as well. So a lot of good stuff to talk about. We're going to jump right into it with Nathan McKinnon. Big news in the NHL. Colorado was on fire for a minute there. Had 10 wins in a row. Now it's looking a little bit more bleak as Nathan McKinnon goes down. Looks like he's going to be out two to four weeks with an upper body injury. What kind of impact is this going to have, Katie? It's going to have a big impact on the Avalanche for the coming weeks without him. He is their leader in points uh in the next closest to him is Miko Rantanen with 50 but that's 11 points behind McKinnon and then Landis Kaga is in third but he only has 40 so the scoring without McKinnon is going to take a big hit and if they can't score obviously they can't win uh he's been their offense ever since November ish when the Duchesne trade happened and luckily they don't have the hardest schedule without him they play they play the sabers i mean they play some games that are winnable but i mean in the coming week they play winnipeg and they play st louis they play san jose which isn't a team to look past thankfully though you do have some games against buffalo montreal and they're winnable and should be okay but they're gonna take a hit and the fact is they're only they're sitting in the second uh wild card spot right now so they're not guaranteed that playoff spot and they need him there to be able to get that spot absolutely they're on the fringe right now of whether or not they're going to get into that playoff they proved they could win last night they took down the Oilers but again that's not something to be too proud of as the Oilers have had their fair share of struggles this season but it's going to be interesting to see you talked about um, they don't have you know, Duchesne anymore, especially up the middle, to give him a little bit more depth. So it's going to test their depth up the middle. Tyson Jost is going to – right now they've got him on the top line. Only 10 points in 33 games. So it looks like they're going to try – they're not putting in Kerfoot right now or Soderberg in that top line of 30 – around the 30-point mark. So it looks like they're trying to stagger their depth a little bit and hope that – Ryan and Landeskog can can pick up the play of Jost rather than plugging in a little bit more capable of a player. So it'll be interesting to see how that strategy works over the coming weeks or if they try to put in maybe a little more successful uh, of a center like Kerfoot to go at that top line. But right now I think it's smart. They need to They need to stretch their talent as best they can rather than putting all their eggs in one basket. Because uh, like you said, you know, they're – they're pretty top-heavy with their scoring right now. So to try to – McKinnon's leading that charge, you know, again, like you said, 11-point disparity between him and the next best scorer. So trying to spread it out without him is probably going to be their smartest bet. 
But like you said, the schedule's not as strong coming up. They do have Winnipeg next. That's going to be a really tough one. And they got the Sharks, who actually lost four games in a row. So could be a win there for them. That's a huge game for them. They really need to get that win because then they have the Blues, which is going to be tough. But then they got Carolina, Buffalo, Montreal. So they need to win those three games. They need to beat the Sharks. They need to come out of this at least 500, but hopefully above 500. Then once I get McKinnon back, they could definitely make a charge to the playoffs. So I don't think that it's going to hurt them as badly as I initially thought when I heard about the injury. I was like, oh, no, they're they're done. But I think they could definitely survive. Um so, and again, fourth line now, Dominic Taninato, I'm going to assume that's how you say his name, is going to get a shot on that fourth line. Only one point in 15 games, eight minutes average ice time. So, fourth line could also be big for Colorado. They also got Tyson Berry back on the de- on, on the defensive side. So, again, I think it's minimal damage for them. But what do you think, Katie? Do you think they will be able to still maintain and make the playoffs once McKinnon comes back? Yeah, I don't, I, as long – I mean, obviously, if you're Colorado, you want him coming back closer to the two-week mark than the four-week mark, but I don't think his injury is detrimental to the team. Uh, because even if they fall out of that second wild card spot, I don't expect them to fall behind too much. And that – I mean, the West is such a jumbled mess right now where everybody's kind of in it. So I wouldn't expect it to hurt them too badly. When I first saw that McKinnon was out – of the game, I was like, I had the same reaction you did. I was like, that's not going to be good for them. They're going to struggle. But looking at the schedule and the fact that it's only two to four weeks, I still expect them to be in a position later on the season to claim a playoff spot and make a run. Right. I really only think it's really, I really think it's down to two teams at this point, and that's Minnesota and Los Angeles. The, the Calgary Flames are also right there. They've lost six in a row. They really don't look good right now, and I can't see them turning it around and making the playoffs. The Kings, however, their age is going to be a factor going down the stretch. They have a lot of veterans, so it'll be interesting to see if they tire out or not. They already have shown some signs of that. Minnesota, however, is actually trending up right now. They have a lot of good things going for them. Michael Granlin's playing great. You know, Jason Zucker's having a great season, so... It'll be interesting to see. That is really one team that I would watch is the Minnesota Wild. If they continue to improve and get better like they have been over the past couple weeks, Colorado might need to watch out, especially with McKinnon being out. But with that, that's huge news in the league, and we're going to watch and see McKinnon's going to have – we're not done talking about him for this episode because of how great he's been. He's definitely in contention for some of these awards which we're going to jump into right now. We're going to start off with the Calder Trophy, Katie. Uh, best rookie in the league. This has been one of the funnest competitions to watch, one of the funnest award uh, watches to keep an eye on throughout this season. A lot of exciting rookies. Who is your pick for the Calder Trophy? Uh, mine's going to be Matthew Barzal. I think he, at the beginning of the season, it was definitely more of the Clayton Keller, Brock Boser show, but of recent. Uh, Barzal has just been unstoppable. He has 16 goals and 35 assists for 51 points. And he has 51 points, and he's played 52 games. So that's pretty impressive, especially for a rookie. Um, 
he's currently first in points and assists for rookies. And I don't know. I really want to see him win it because I kind of like when the rookie who wins the Calder Trophy is the one that no one saw coming. Like, last season, everybody knew it was going to be Austin Matthews. But then you look at the season before, everybody thought it was going to be Connor McDavid. Of course, he did have that injury his rookie year. But then you have someone like Artemi Panarin who came out of nowhere and won it. I love seeing the rookie that no one really thought would win it win that because I I think it's cool. Absolutely. Nobody was talking about Barzell. And I actually did have a little bit of a hunch because my roommate's such a huge Islander fan. And and while the whole NHL wasn't as excited about this guy, Islander fans certainly were. They knew what was coming. And I have to go with Barzell as well. But I think it's super close between a guy named Charlie McAvoy for the Bruins has been absolutely incredible for them. Uh, in a different way, he's a defenseman, so not lighting up the score sheet. However, does have 25 points, which is very respectable for for a guy on the blue line. But he's got a plus 18 rating, 54% Corsi, very solid for a rookie. And he's averaging about 23 minutes of ice time, which is absolutely incredible to come in to a team like the Boston Bruins, very established team in the league, already very solid on defense. And to come in and insert yourself on that top line – uh, Side Zidane Chara, one of the best defensemen to ever play in the league, especially in the modern era, in the last 20 or so years. So it's been really incredible to to watch this guy assume one of the biggest roles on the team. And I got I got Besser at the third spot, so I got Barzell, McAvoy, Besser as the main contestants for this. But the reason that I am not really I'm not really in, I don't really even have my eye on Besser anymore. I think it's a two-man race between McAvoy and Barzell because Besser has not really contributed to... It hasn't translated to wins, and he Mm -hmm. hasn't made players around him better. I think with McAvoy, you've seen him actually revitalize Char and revitalize this Bruins team in general, Uh, and he's been an integral part of the massive point streak that they had going. And Barzell's the same way. That second line, Barzell's got a 53.6% Corsi. Nobody on the top line for the Islanders has above 50%. So that second line, he's is carrying this team right now. Uh, and Barzell's the biggest attribution to that as he plays center and he's making his wingers around him better. So I think it's a two-man race. It's been really fun to watch. It's been... It's been very interesting and close, and there's been guys like Clayton Keller was at the top, Besser was at the top. Now I think Barzell's at the top for a lot of people, but McAvoy's always been in that conversation. So, been really fun to watch, and he's also second on the team in hits, second on the Bruins in hits, second on the Bruins in blocks, and again second behind Chara and Ice Time for skaters. So, really incredible to watch what he's done. What? Who are some other players that you're? looking at right now in terms of rookies you're looking at McAvoy Besser you think Keller could even make a comeback what do you think I think I I did have Keller on here and at the beginning of the season he was the clear favorite to take it but and he's still like he's not playing badly he's still playing great and he's still having a great rookie year but it's it's kind of in that same boat where he's not helping his team contribute to wins but then again when you play for the Arizona Coyotes you can only do so much And I feel like if he was on any other team, he would definitely be higher up in the talks for Rookie of the Year. But since he's on a team that's struggling so much, I don't see him being able to score enough goals to really get back into the conversation for Rookie of the Year, which is 
disappointing because he's a fun player to watch and he definitely has I mean also in another fact in another way of looking at it if it was almost any other season he could have been the rookie of the year but there have been so many rookies this year that have just come out of nowhere and played so well that I don't see him really getting back into the number one spot he could find himself into like the three finalists but I don't know if that if he could get back up to the top spot absolutely he I mean he's leading scorer in Arizona he's been he's he's been really only the, the, the only spot. exactly he's what's filling the seats uh, in Arizona so that's what's most impressive to me about Barzell though is that he these most of these other guys we're talking about Besser and Keller specifically are running the show for their team but Barzell is not the go-to guy there but he's still racked up 51 points I mean imagine if Barzell was on one of these other teams where he's averaging way more ice time and and really the go-to guy probably be scoring even more honestly but the fact that there's two other 50 point scorers on that Islander team he's got to play more of a role for them but it's just been so fun to watch and on the opposite side of the ice we did talk about McAvoy for the Calder Trophy but going to defensemen talking about the Norris Trophy this has also been one of the more competitive races, I think, and it's always it's always competitive. There's so many good defensemen in the league. Hasn't really been one guy that you can point to. I talked about Char earlier, but then you got guys like Duncan Keith who have been successful for a long period of time as well. So it's always a tight race. Who do you think is going to come out on top this year for the uh, Norris Trophy? My top two right now are uh, Kucherov for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Or, and then, um, wait, I'm looking at the wrong thing right now. I'm so sorry. Oh, can't speak. Drew Doughty mm-hmm. for the King. And then I had Victor Hedman for the Tampa Bay Lightning. There we go. Speaking properly now. <laughs> um, but my top one in specific, I have to go with Drew Doughty. He's strong on the attack. He has eight goals and 28 assists. He's posted a plus 15 rating, so uh, the Kings are not getting scored on a lot when he's on the ice. And he's another one that they're also controlling the puck more when he's on the ice. And so he's, he's another one who's just been consistent for years, and I think that, well... He'll be able to at least be in the top three, and I think he will take it home this year. Absolutely. I have him in my top three as well. I have Hedman in my top three as well, but neither I don't have either of them winning. I've actually got a guy named John Klingberg for the Dallas Stars has been absolutely unreal. I mean, he's got over 40 assists, 43 assists, 6 goals, 49 points. So really one of the best offensive defensemen in the league right now. Averaging nearly 24 minutes of ice time, so he and he's really. You look at his offensive numbers; they're absolutely incredible. But this guy, he's really a two-way defenseman as well. He can definitely play great defense. 53.5 percent Corsi four, so he has made his team better. And I look at guy, I look at a guy like Hedman and a guy like Dowdy. There's no doubt about it; they're absolutely incredible defensemen. They can play both ways. They can score points. Both of them have over 30 points. And they're they're arguably they're both more solid on defense than Klingberg. But if you look at, I mean those those offenses, I mean over forty assists already for a defenseman really jumps off the stat sheet to me. And also he's got a little bit less help mm-hmm. in Dallas. Dallas has been good this year. They've been very good. They have a lot of young talent. But I see Klingberg as the leader of this team. 
offensively and defensively. Like, he's the best player on both sides for them, I think. The fact that he is averaging that much ice time, has that many assists, he's the facilitator on the power play, gets a lot of points at even strength as well. So, I don't know. You know, I, it, it happens often where these awards tend to go to guys that are more established than that have won it before, almost like they're, they're just kind of grandfathered into it. But I really think Klingberg has a good chance to, to surpass these two guys, Hedman and Dowdy. What do you think about Klingberg, Katie? Or what do you think about maybe another defenseman coming from the outside? Carlson's not in it. He's had a, not as good of a season this year, especially like minus 30 rating. Maybe a guy like P.K. Subban could come in and win it. What do you think about uh, a couple other guys in the conversation? I do like Klingberg, and I think he's one that – he's been in the league for a couple years now, but he's never had that great season, and I do think that this season has been his breakout year. But like you said, the Norris Trophy, it is going to the more established defensemen a lot. So it will be interesting to see if he can get into that role. And I I would like to see him do it because, you know, you don't want to always see the same guys taking home the trophies. Like, you don't – I don't want to throw any players under the bus. So I'm going <laughs> to stop that sentence right now. Uh, but I don't know. I, I would like to see him get in there. I had him in my top three along with Dowdy and Hedman because I do think those have been the best players this year or on the defensive side. At the same time, it'd be super cool to see someone really young like Charlie McAvoy get into it on the bat. On the <laughs> absolutely, best he, I mean, he could do it. He's been absolutely incredible. You could also throw in someone like Alex Pertangelo. I was, he, yes, I was just going to mention. He's him. up there in points right now, up there in assists. Absolutely. And John Carlson, he's someone I don't think gets enough credit. Yeah, my caps. Like around the league. He's obviously well-respected when it comes to Capitals fans and in the Capitals locker room, but he's someone I don't think gets as much credit league-wise, mm-hmm. league-wide as he should. Absolutely. Always eats up ice time. He's at 26 minutes average ice time this year. Thirty. He's got 40 points, 33 assists, 7 goals. That goal, that goal number is normally a little bit higher for him. Normally, he's getting up into the double digits, only seven right now. We'll see what he's able to do at the end of the season, if he can heat up a little bit. Also, the only capital to get a Norris Trophy vote last season was Dmitry Orloff. And he is a guy to keep an eye on, not as much this season. He's played so so. I mean, he's such an incredible player. So solid on defense, but the numbers this season aren't quite jumping out. He has the capability to put up a 50-point season at least, but this season not quite as much offensive production. They don't really need him to produce as much offensively with what Carlson's been able to do and younger guys like Christian Juice, but he's a player to watch in the future. Such a great defenseman. He, he's got a lot of skill offensively. So, yeah, a couple of those Capitals defensemen are, are very skilled and definitely could be in the conversation in years to come. But, again... I think definitely Hedman, Dowdy are going to be in the conversation, and I really expect Klingberg to be there as well. I think those are really locks right now to be the three guys to get nominated for that award. And going to step away from players. I don't think this conversation is going to take too long at all. Uh, Jack Adams Award, Coach of the Year. It, it's fairly obvious, but there could be one other guy to come in there. But I think it's right now, obviously, Gerard Gallant, Coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. They got 34 wins as an expansion team, brand new team in the league, and they are 
you can make the argument they're the best team in the league right now. 72 points. Uh, it's been incredible what he's been able to do. Um, but you could also make the argument for Jared Bednar for the Colorado Avalanche with what they've been able to do. I mean, I think you look at almost everybody's preseason power rankings and the Avalanche and the Golden Knights are sitting at the bottom. 30 and 31. I think that's the case for most people. If you say you didn't have it, I think you're probably lying. So it's just like, and these two, both of these teams are in playoff spots right now. And especially with Bednar, what I, what's been impressed about him is only his second season with the Avalanche, and they again came in last in the league last year. So it's hard not to attribute a lot of the success that they've had because, again, for coaches, it often takes time to to implement your system and get guys on board. So you've seen that slow progress with last year not having a lot of success, but this year turning it around. So you could talk about him, but I think it's 100% going to Gallant for the Golden Knights. Yeah, there's no chance. I mean, you don't no even question. need to have, like, a final three. Just give it away. There's like, no question. It's been on, it's been incredible. Golden engrave Knights. it now, send it over to Vegas, and let them enjoy it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, I think all fans of hockey have appreciated what the Vegas Golden Knights have been able to do this year, even if uh, – Maybe not if you're a fan of them, one of those specific division teams, but honestly, I think it's been absolutely incredible. And I want to see them win the Cup as long as they're not playing the Caps. So, moving on from that, back to the players, the guys on the ice. Again, I don't think this one's going to take very long to talk about either. Selkie Trophy, Patrice Bergeron, Bergeron has been a four-time winner of this award, and he's having arguably a better season than... The seasons where he's already won the trophy. 21 goals, 22 assists, 57.6 Corsi 4 percentage. I mean, that's unreal. His team has the puck when he is on the ice, and the other teams are just not generating shots when this guy's on the ice. It's absolutely incredible. Plus 23 rating. What do you think? Do you think there's anybody else that could come out of the blue and take this trophy from Bergeron? I don't know. I He wins it all the time, and so I think he's just... I don't want to say the easy choice because he puts himself in that position to win it, but he is the guy that can continuously do it. And I, I don't know if there's anybody this season that really is, is stepping up. Maybe... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Kopitar, but Kopitar hasn't had the greatest season, but he's another one that's kind of always in the conversation for the Selkie. Because he is, he does have that defensive mind about him. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to mention Kopitar. He's actually had offensively a very respectable season, but in terms of Corsi, only fifty three percent. I mean, that compared to 50, almost fifty eight from Bergeron. And I don't want to read in too much to Corsi. I know a lot of people get mad about that, but when you're looking at the Selkie Trophy, I mean, it's all about how how much of an impact you're having for, for your team in terms of puck possession and shots generated. So that's really a fair stat to look at in this argument. And Bergeron's just dominating in that in that category right now. But Kopitar's he's done well offensively. Not enough to win any of these other awards, but he's been a solid player for LA. I don't he's won the, he won the Selkie two years ago. I don't think he's gonna win it this season, but he'll be a nominee, I think for sure. Uh, another guy, you're the Blackhawks fan here. Has Taves won it before? Yes, Taves has won it before. I think it was 2013. Am I right? Mm-hmm. 20, yeah, 2012, 2013. Yeah. 
I, mm-hmm. I just remember them announcing that, like, because that was the shortened season and they didn't actually have the award ceremony. And he is. He is a defensive forward. They He's talked about it. He's open about it. And he likes having that mindset. But he's one that he hasn't... He's had a decent offensive season, but he's had those cold streaks where right. um, he hasn't played too... Like, played... The way we all know Jonathan Taves can play. Absolutely. That's and, what's holding him back is offensively, I think. Cause. And then the fact, yeah, his course right now is at 57.5. Right. And which is above his career average. So I think defensively he's been great this year, Absolutely. in my opinion. It's the offensive side that I think will hold him back. And maybe he sneaks in to be a final three, but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. And especially when you look at the, the team, like – Blackhawks are struggling as a whole right now. I think if they were having a little more success, then Taze's play, would, offensive play, would obviously his stats would look a little bit better, but he'd also be getting talked about more in general. But the Blackhawks as a whole, I mean, not even a whole lot of people are talking about Patrick Kane because the Blackhawks just aren't really in the conversation right now. They're like five points out of a mm-hmm. wild card spot right now. So, but We'll see. They're hoping they're getting Crawford back there. He's That'd working out again, okay. um, and he's getting ready. I think they're hoping he gets on the ice soon. That'd be huge. Practice. They could. That could be another team we talked about that could. And they're only five points out right now, and if they make a tr- trade at the deadline just for a goalie to back up Crawford in case he doesn't get back, I think they can easily fight their way back in. Absolutely. A little detour off of the Selkie trophy Definitely, dog. definitely. I mean, it's, it's interesting. We talked about it earlier with teams that could possibly overtake the Avalanche with this McKinnon injury, and... The Blackhawks. They have the forward power, and they, they have do. defenders that can get involved. Absolutely, so. absolutely. The one question, if Crawford comes back, that's the biggest question. Another question is the the durability or the endurance of some of those older defensemen on the blue line, Duncan Keith and Seabrook. But, I mean, they're just so good, so skilled at what they've done. I, I think it's hard to question their talent. But, again, going back to awards – Talking about Corey Crawford, we're going to talk about some goalies now. Vesna Trophy. It's a shame that Crawford went down. He was having a great season before. Probably be in this conversation, but obviously with the time he's missed. There were people in January still talking about him, like, as a chance like to win it. I'm like, it's nice, and he's had a good season. But yeah, I doubt at this needs, point. He's been out too long. Uh, yeah, he, need, he would need to come back and light it up and also play. Every single game. Pretty much every <laughs> single game. But... Who do you have right now as the best goaltender in the league, and who's your prediction to win? I think mine is maybe a little bit of a dark horse, but I'm going to Garask because he doesn't have the highest safe percentage right now. It's only a .924, but a lot of that has to do he started off pretty slow and shaky this season, but he's really turned it around. He's allowing only 2.12 goals per game, which is the lowest amongst goalies who have played at least 30 games, and he has the... So lowest goals against, and he has the fewest goals allowed against amongst all goalies with 30 games played. And so he's he is one of the reasons that the Bruins have been able to play decently this season and put themselves in a okay position. And so I'm going dark horse, and I'm going to say Tukarask is going to take it home. I absolutely love the pick. I thought you were going to get mad at me because I had to, I had him in second. And a lot of people are nah, not talking about him at all. I think he's going to sneak in there. So I, abs- I absolutely love it, and it's hard to argue 
Especially because you just look at his performance over the point streak that they've had. I mean, you look at it, it's like one goal allowed, shut out, two goals, one goal, zero goals, one goal, one goal, one goal. Had a six goal little gaffe, but it's, you know. It's what it was, he was an doing. off it's night. He just, it was an off night. Exactly. You know, he, 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 he let him score. He was just like, I need to. Yeah, he needs, he needs to show people that he's still human. Exactly. So. so I love that pick. And also, the Boston point streak did end the other night, but it wasn't even Raskin that. It was Anton Hudobin. So, the way that he's played not, would not surprise me to see him sustain that until the end of the season and then take it home, no question. But right now, I think it's got to be Andre Vasilevsky. Even with how good the Lightning have been outside of Vasilevsky, he has been an integral part of that with... 30 wins, and again, if it was just goals allowed, goals against average that was putting him in this conversation, then you got to talk about how good their defense is, how good they are as a whole, as a whole skater unit. But he's got a 930 save percentage, higher than Rask's. Rask has been the better goalie recently, but I do think consistency matters across the season. So I got to go with Andre Vasilevsky, especially. I mean, he's just been. It seems like he's just been unbeatable because even though they have a guy like Victor Hedman, their entire blue line unit as a whole is arguably not quite as good as Boston's. And he's been able to post a higher percentage. He's been able to consistently throughout the season be... Rask has had the point, his peak of the season has been better than Vasilevsky's, but as a whole, I think the whole track record shows that Vasilevsky's been a slightly better goaltender. I also want to mention Carter Hutton. If he is able to play almost all of the rest of the games throughout the season, he's got a 945 save percentage and a 1-7 goals against. So that's another guy. I mean, he's only played 22 games so far. I don't know. They probably have a minimum ceiling for the Vesna Trophy, but if he's able to play for the rest of the season and play the way he's been playing, then he could also make some noise in that in that conversation. And what do you think? You talked about Rask. Who are some other goaltenders you're watching? Do you think that Vasilevsky's been carried by the Lightning, or do you think that he's done enough on his own to win the trophy or be in the conversation? I think he's done enough on his own to be in the conversation. Obviously, it helps when you have a team like the Lightning in front of you, but no, he's definitely done enough to be in the conversation because that your team can only go so far to like stop the goals, like. Right. At the end of the day, you're in net, and if you make a bad choice, it's going to go in the net. So he's obviously played well. I also have my eye on Connor Hellbuck. He has really come into the, his own this year. He's asserted himself as one of the top goalies in the league. I think he's starting to get to that point where he may be passing Jonathan Quick as the best American goalie in the league. Um, he's played really well. He has a, a .92 save percentage uh, as well as Tuukka Rask. He's allowing a little bit more. He has a higher goal against average than Rask does. But through 42 games, he uh, he's played 42 games. He started 40. He has 26 wins uh, and six losses. So, And he has more overtime losses than regular uh, or regulation losses, which is nice because he's a goalie that you can count on to at least get you into a position to get one point. Absolutely. So I think he's someone to keep an eye on. I'm not sure if he'll win it, but I think he could find himself into the final three. Absolutely. He has been fantastic. I would agree that he is the best American goalie, especially this season, 
with what he's been able to do. And he, he kind of transitioned from being one of the one of the reasons the Jets were not having as much success to arguably the biggest reason that they've had as much success as they've had this season. So definitely keep an eye on Connor Hellebuck as well. And we'll briefly touch on Art Ross and Rocket Richard. I don't see there being any variance to what what's happening right now. I think Kucherov is going to maintain his lead as the points leader and take home the Art Ross Trophy. And I think that Ovechkin is going to maintain his lead as the goal-scoring leader in the league and take home the Rocket Richard Trophy. What do you think, Katie? When it comes, I agree with uh, Ovechkin. No one ever scores more goals than him. But when it comes to the Art Ross, I say keep your eyes out for Voracek from the Flyers. He has been on fire recently. He has scored. He has collected seven points in four games, and he's now only four points behind Kucherov. So if he continues the hot streak, I think he needs to like be watched because I think he could find himself taking home that Art Ross trophy. Absolutely, and he's got 50 assists, which is crazy. That's a I'm, lot. That's, that's, that's absolutely. Insane. He's averaging it's 51 games and 50 assists, <laughs> almost almost an assist per game. That's insane. That's absolutely unreal. And especially Kucherov has what like 37 assists, 27 goals, but it's better. In terms of points, it's almost better to rely on assists mm-hmm. because, and you've seen it with Kucherov, he has a nine-game goal-scoring drought right now. So when you're counting on goals for a lot of those points, it's it can be much more difficult because it's much easier to go through a long goal-scoring drought than it is an assist drought. I mean, you don't really hear about that term at all, even. Yeah. So, I mean... Especially with the, the, the pieces that Voracek has around him in Katuria and, and Claude Giroux. I think that that def, it could happen. I don't see it happening. I think Kucherov has been absolutely incredible. And even if he's going through that goal-scoring drought, the players he has around him are... I mean, Steven Samkos, absolutely unreal. Great season for him. So, it will be interesting. Again, like you said, Voracek's hot. Sidney Crosby is also coming out of nowhere, so... It could be an interesting race for that Art Ross. Alex Ovechkin's a god, so he's going to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. There's no chance he does. Like, <laughs> last year was a fluke. Yeah. Who did Crosby? Crosby. Win? Crosby. Yeah, it was a yeah. fluke. That like, makes me Crosby sick. Crosby is not supposed to win that. That makes me sick. Uh, and we'll go back now to, to the Hart Trophy, the one we've all been waiting for. Most valuable player in the league. And I'm going to say, despite him being injured right now, I'm going to say Nathan McKinnon. I'm going to do it. Fight me if you want. It's hard to go against Kucherov, but what I just talked about again, the nine-game goal-scoring drought that he has right now, and that was what was so incredible about him to start off the season was not how many points in general he was putting up, it was the goals. And it was ridiculous how many goals he was scoring. It seemed like every night he was putting a goal up on the board. That's not the case anymore. He's going through quite the cold streak in terms of goals and even points. He had a three-assist night maybe a game or two before the break. Other than that, not really putting up a whole lot of points in general. Nathan McKinnon, before he went into his injury, I mean, he was putting up a ridiculous amount of points. Look, Let's, let's count last... 10, 15 games or so. Three points, three points, two points, one point, three point, one point, one point, three points, two points. 
zero points, one point, zero points, one point. So I mean that's absolutely ridiculous. Over that, over that, he was getting hot at the right time, and. Going back to that R. Ross conversation, I would have picked McKinnon if he had, wasn't missing these games. So even though Kucherov is probably going to end up with more points, almost guaranteed going to end up with more points than McKinnon, it's the impact that you have on your team that makes you the most power, valuable player. And I think if you take McKinnon off the avalanche, they could be right where they were last year. But if you take Kucherov off the lightning, I think they're still a playoff team. So that's really what makes the difference for me. Crosby is also a player to watch because of how well he's been playing over the last 10-12 games. And you never know. If Ovechkin hits that 50-goal point, he could also be in the conversation as well. What do you think, Katie? I have McKinnon, too, and it is because of that. It's not how many points you score. It is how you affect your team. And you said it. The avalanche would not be the avalanche without Nathan McKinnon. And I think with him being hurt, if they falter and they fall off their game right now, that is even more of a sign that Nathan McKinnon should be the Hart Trophy winner because he – has changed that team. That team was like struggling like no other Horrible. last year. They were terrible. They were absolutely horrendous. And he, I don't know what he did in the offseason. I don't know if he was eating his Wheaties or what. <laughs> but, like, he was on fire, and he has carried that team to a playoff position right now. And I think it's hard to argue against him as the Hart Trophy winner. 100%. I think it's even a win-win in his absence. If they do well, or not even, you know, I don't think it's possible that they're going to win every game or even only take one or so, one or two losses. They're going to lose a couple more games than that. But even if they hover around 500, a little over 500, that's could still make a strong case for him because they come back. They're, he comes back. They're playing well. Hard to see him not carrying that hot streak that he had going into his injury and then making the playoffs, which gives him a strong case for the hard trophy. They made the playoffs. On, because of the play that he was having, uh, especially during that 10-game win streak. Uh, And then again, if they do horribly while he's gone, that just shows how important that he's been to this team. So it'll be interesting to see, though, if I think that logically he should win it, but it'll be interesting to see if his absence does have an effect on whether they decide to, to give him that trophy or not. Because durability is a factor. It, it absolutely is, and I always consider that because if you're not playing games, you're not helping your team. So that will be interesting to see. That's going to wrap it up for the award predictions for this episode. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of games last night. Uh, one of the more notable games was Toronto took down the Rangers 4 to nothing. Talked about the Rangers a little bit in the past couple of weeks with that Shattenkirk injury, and they have no doubt been struggling. Maple Leafs take advantage of that, but not only that, uh, the Maple Leafs have been playing great hockey. They've been playing their brand of hockey. They're on a four-game win streak now, and I talk about that Maple Leafs brand of hockey, and that is scoring goals. Uh, that's that's what this team has to do if they want to have success. And if they want to have postseason success, because they can't absolutely not rely on their defense. It'll be interesting to see if they make a move at the deadline, um, especially with a few defensemen available. Mike Green, there's been some rumors about him going somewhere. The Caps have also shown interest in Mike Green, but they're going to need to score goals. The last three games, they've scored four goals, five goals, and four goals. So they've been lighting up the score sheet. Uh, they, they 
that's the reason that they were a little bit – it's been up and down for them. And they had some struggles, especially over the last month or so, uh, not being able to to convert all that talent they have on offense into to goals in the score sheet. But they're starting to click now at the right time. What do you think about this Maple Leafs team, Katie? Can they, can they continue the success all the way into the postseason? Yeah, this uh, – Maple Leafs, to me, are – they're one of the most fun teams to watch in the league. Uh, and I think they definitely can continue this success. They do need to pick up a defenseman. They do need someone that's more a little more experienced and can be more reliable on the back end. Because, I mean, right now they brought up two young guys who have played decently. You have uh, Justin Hole, who has two games and two goals, which is always nice to see off of a defenseman. But he's young. He's inexperienced. You can't count on him to carry the team into the playoffs as a defenseman. So they do need to make that trade but when it comes to the offensive side what's so fun about this team is in this streak yes Austin Matthews has had a lot of points he has four points in three of the four games that they've won but it's not just Matthews Marner has found his scoring he has three points in four in the four game streak Nylander is currently on a five game point streak uh, and it's just been so fun to watch them I mean in uh, one of the games in this win streak for the Maple Leafs came in an overtime win against Chicago. It's the closest game in that uh, win streak. And Nylander tied the NHL record for fastest goal in overtime. And it's just, it was so, as a Blackhawks fan, it was still fun to watch because he literally just, like, went straight down and scored. It, no one really got him off the puck. And it's it's plays like that that make you excited to see this team down this stretch. Absolutely. Speed, youth, that's what they have. And I don't have the stat in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet my entire bank account that this team has the lowest, highest scorer out of teams with 30 wins. They have 30 wins, and their highest point scorer only has 40 points. So that's telling you that they have so much depth. They have seven players over 30 points, 16 double-digit point scorers. So probably the most, probably the deepest team in terms of uh, point production in the National Hockey League. Uh, but again, you talk about that's the biggest struggle for them is defensively. Morgan Riley has been their go-to defenseman this season, and he's only 23 years old. You can't rely on even a guy as good as Riley to to lead you in the playoffs with such inexperience. So it will be interesting. They did get bounced by the Capitals last season. I, I don't think that that's out of the question. Again, this season to, to see a first-round exit from this team – if they're able to get a veteran guy on the blue line, established guy, I don't think I don't even think Mike Green's a good fit for them. They need somebody that's more defensive minded than him. But if they're able to get somebody like that, then it could change things for this team. But regardless, they're going to need to score goals, even if they pick up a guy like that, because you can't expect that to give them a complete 180 on the blue line. They'll still have their struggles, but if they can score the way that they are known to score, then that will be huge for them. Speaking of high-scoring teams, Tampa Bay Lightning took down the Flames 7-4 to last night. And the Flames have now lost six in a row, which is astonishing considering that's immediately following a seven-game win streak. So it's that break. They had the break, and then it just went it's downhill and exploded. It's unfortunate. We talked about that on the show that the bye week was right before the All Star break. There were teams that had like eleven days off in like a fifteen-day stretch, which is absolutely ridiculous. 
So they, I think that's NHL. If you're listening, fix your <laughs> scheduling. It's ridiculous. Uh, but again, Calgary really struggling right now. Um, and a lot of those losses have come in overtime, which is interesting because they have guys like Gaudreau and Monahan that have so much skill. In and that tends to shine in the three on three. But what do you think has been the biggest problem with this Flames team, Katie? I mean, it's interesting to see that them struggle in OT with all that skill. They haven't been able to score a lot of goals. What is it? Is it these top guys? Is it their depth? What's the problem in Calgary? It could be. I mean, they do rely heavily on players like Moynihan and Gaudreau, and you can't do that. You cannot just trust two guys to get it done. And they have good goaltending. Mike Smith has been great this year for them. But it is. I think it is. They don't have the depth that they need to have. They need to get some guys in there that can help uh, their two stars score because – you're not if you rely solely on them you're going to expect them to both have 100 point seasons every single year and that's not it's never going to happen so they need to get some depth in there to help them score i would even say get some defensive help that can help them score too you need some defenders that can get in on the offensive side 100% if you look at the win streak that they had and you look at Monahan and Gaudreau's ability to score in those games that was clearly the catalyst for them but now in this in this losing streak Monahan's only had two points in those six games Goudreau has only had three or four points uh, which doesn't sound awful but during that win streak they were both averaging well over a point per game so them hitting their cold streak is an obvious sign that they don't have depth on the forward line because exactly. if Goudreau and Moynihan are hitting a cold streak and then the entire team is losing and hitting a cold streak then it's they need to add some guys on that on those lines right we talked about the Maple Leafs just now it's the opposite story Maple Leafs had 16 double digit goal scorers this Flames team only has 12 that Maple Leafs team had 7 30 plus point scorers this Flames team only has 5 which is still half decent but uh, when it comes down to it only 40 point scores they have are Monahan and Gaudreau. So that's it's clearly been a little bit of a top heavy issue for them. Talking about Nathan McKinnon a lot this episode, the Colorado Avalanche were able to get a 4 3 win over the Oilers. That snaps a three game loss streak for the Avalanche. They had that 10 game win streak, lost three in a row. What does that tell you about this team, their ability to? Get a win. Get a. This is a huge win for them. They had to win this game. Had to take advantage of a bad Oilers team. And when you look at teams that aren't used to winning, it's often they win ten games in a row, and then once you lose one game, it starts to spiral out of control. Looked like that was going to happen with three losses, but they get a big win tonight. What does that tell you about this team and what they can do for the rest of the season? I think. I think it shows that they are in that mindset that they can win games, and just because they lose one, they're not going to go down the drain. But at the same time, they are only playing the Oilers, who haven't been great this year. So they can't get too confident going into their game against Winnipeg, because Winnipeg is not going to be an easy game. Like it, I don't want to say the Oilers game was easy because they went into overtime, but it is going to be a much harder game. But I do think... This team is different from who they were last year. I do think they 
can believe they can win. You have a good captain, I think, that will help them understand that you can't just take one win and assume you're going to keep winning. Absolutely. The the game coming up against Winnipeg, we talked about they have definitely a few games that they're going to be playing teams like Edmonton where they need to capitalize and win those games. This next game against Winnipeg is going to be critical to see what kind of resilience this team has. Even if they hang in there and lose by only a goal, that, that's a positive sign for this team. If they get blown out, which Winnipeg has been known to blow out teams this season, then it's going to be even more interesting to see how they can bounce back from a loss like that. So I think the Avalanche are honestly going to be one of the most interesting teams to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the season. And especially without McKinnon, it'll just be so fun to see if they can make the playoffs. I think that most I'm rooting for them to make the playoffs, absolutely. I think anyone outside of the Central Division is hoping this team can make the playoffs, especially because it'd probably be an easy bounce uh, in the playoffs, no, they don't have any playoff experience on that team. Mm-hmm. So it, it will be fun to watch going in down the stretch. Uh, and that's going to wrap it up for the recaps. Last thing before we say goodbye to you guys, we got some previews for tonight. And definitely the headline, the game of the night, talked about both of these players uh, when mentioning the awards. We got the Capitals and the Penguins. It's always a fun matchup when these two teams get together. It's always playoff intensity. Who do you got in that matchup tonight, Katie? It's in Pittsburgh. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Washington Ooh. in Pittsburgh because I feel like they always, whenever like whenever you have like the Caps, the Penguins, or the Flyers going into one of the other teams' homes, they definitely have this extra energy and they want to beat them in their home. So I'm going to give it to the Capitals, but I would not be surprised if the Penguins win at all. It's going to be such a close matchup. I, I like that point you make. Those Metro teams always tend to have a chip on their shoulder when they go to uh, their rivals' building, so it'll be fun to watch. I think it's going to be a high-scoring one, and y- you all know I'm a Caps fan. It's impossible to pick against my team, but it's also really hard to pick against this Penguins team and how well they've played recently and how well Crosby's playing. But I'm going to go Caps in the over. I'm thinking a 5-4 win for the Caps tonight. Uh, staying in that Metro, staying in that Metropolitan Division, Carolina Hurricanes are hosting the Red Wings tonight. So that's a couple of teams that are struggling right now. Uh, Hurricanes at home. What do you think is going to happen in that one, Katie, facing this Detroit team? I... I was, I was about to say, oh, easy, I'm going to go Hurricanes at home. But I saw the Red Wings beat up on the Blackhawks recently in mm-hmm. Chicago, so I think I'm going to go Red Wings because they, I don't know, they, they, they're they hit or miss, and I think tonight could be a hit for them. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the Hurricanes in this one in their home building. They tend, they tend to be a better team at home. Uh, with that crowd behind them, and actually, you know what? Sebastian Ajo is out for them, so that could be that that could be a difference maker. So I'm actually going to go with 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 the Red Wings tonight because that duo with Teravainen and Ajo is normally so good. I don't know. Is he, well, wait a minute. Is he, he still? No, he came back the other night. Oh, is he back? 
Sebastian Ajo makes triumphant return. Okay. Well, never mind. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Hurricanes at home again, like I said earlier. So just remember that I said that remember, first. Yeah, rem- forget that last <laughs> minute. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go with the Hurricanes against the Red Wings. The Red Wings have been horrible this season. Uh, Larkin is really their, their only weapon offensively. They don't have any explosiveness on the offense. I'm going to take the under in this game as well. Uh, so I'm going to go Canes in the under at home. Blue Jackets hosting the Sharks. A lot of home games for this Metropolitan Division tonight, Katie. Blue Jackets hosting the Sharks. Talked about the Sharks earlier. They're having a, a their fair share of struggles recently. What do you think happens in this one? I think Columbus will win this one. They're at home. They have some pretty – they have Panarin, who's explosive. And I think members of the Sharks, like uh, Brent Burns, hasn't had his typical season – and I think that will show tonight, and I think the Blue Jackets will get the win. Exactly. Like I said, they lost four in a row, and going into Columbus, that's just it's, it's not a recipe for a bounce-back game. And I'm going to take the Jackets and the under in this one as well. Uh, jackets have some explosiveness on offense, but they've been struggling to score recently. They've had some of those injuries on offense. They're starting to get a little bit healthier with Cam Atkinson coming back, but... It takes time to gel for an offensive unit. Sharks are known as a defensive team. I'm going to take the under in the Jacks in that uh, in the Jackets in that one. And the Wild hosting the Golden Knights in the, in the final game of the night. Catch that one eight o'clock NBC Sports Network national coverage uh, for the Golden Knights. Not a surprise there. Everyone loves to watch this team. This is going to be an interesting matchup. The Wild, like I said, have been hitting their stride recently, and they're at home against one of the best teams in the league. What do you think happens in this one, Katie? This one, I think, is going to be very close, and I'm going to give it to the Wild, mainly, not necessarily because they're at home, but mostly because the Knights are coming up. It's a back-to-back night for the Golden Knights, and they won last night in overtime. So I think they're going to be a little tired, and I think they're going to be tired, and because of that, I think the Wild will get the win. I'm going with the Wild as well. They've won three of their last four, won their first game coming out of the break against the Jackets we just talked about. So I like the Wild in this one as well, and I'm going to expect a little bit more of a high-scoring affair in this one. The The Wild have tend, tended to allow – they've allowed six goals in the loss to Pittsburgh before the All-Star break. They, they can be a little bit leaky in terms of allowing goals, but – they, they've got some goal scorers and some point scorers that have stepped up for this team to allow them to outscore some teams. And I think that's what happens tonight against the Golden Knights. Again, like you said, they're not going to have those fresh legs. The Wild, on the other hand, they actually are coming off a two-day break. So another, again, NHL, what are you doing with your scheduling? <laughs> but, yeah, that'll be, that'll be a good one to watch. And I think the Wild come out on top uh, in a more of a low-scoring and more of a high-scoring matchup. That's going to wrap it up for the game preview. That's going to wrap it up for the podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'm Thomas Robertson with Katie Harper. This has been Outside the Glass, episode 13. Uh, Lucky number 13. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.